Welcome to the latest edition of the Curtain Call podcast with Chris Sheeran and Sports Broadcasting Hall of Famer and my boss, John Filippelli. And uh, Flip, something we have to start with, obviously, the Yankees' 11-game winning streak. But there was a moment uh, up in Toronto that I really want to hone in on, and that is the fact that a home run ball off the bat of Aaron Judge was caught by a Toronto Blue Jays fan, uh, an adult, and then given to an Aaron Judge fan, a young child, and his reaction was priceless. He started crying, and then Aaron Judge reacted to it after last night's game as Brian Hoke asked him about it. And there's a clip that's going viral. A little boy got the home run ball. He was crying in the stands. What's it, what's it like to have that kind of impact on young fans? Really? Um, no, that's, that's passion right there. That's Yankee fans right there. You know, Yankee fans are all around the world. Um, they're passionate about this game, and to have a little one like that, man, they're, he's starting out the right way. That's he's starting out the right way. We're going to give credit to a Canadian fan who actually caught the ball and gave it back, gave it to the kid. So it was a Toronto fan who caught the ball, an adult, and gives it to a child a who is wearing your jersey. No way. That's, man, that's, what, that's what's special about this game, man. It doesn't matter, you know, what jersey you wear. You know, they're everybody's fans. Um, everybody appreciates this game, and um, that's pretty cool. I got to check out that video. That's special. So how about that? I mean, you've been around this game uh, your entire life, as have I. And when it comes right down to it, when you think about it, that's what it's all about. I mean, it's about the passion, not only on the field, but off the field by the fans. And to see that reaction by that fan flip and to see the reaction that Aaron Judge had in that giving of the baseball from one fan to another, that has to make you smile. Well, it, it, it was an organic moment. I mean, it doesn't, uh, something like that happens and people react the way they reacted to it. And uh, it's, it's a priceless moment. I mean, you couldn't script a moment like that. You just couldn't. And uh, the reactions all around were just were totally priceless. And it was, it was a wonderful experience. Uh, I, I found myself immersed in the moment and I found myself thoroughly enjoying it. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a byproduct of, uh, of why you love baseball it's moments like that and there are moments like that like a you know don manually going taking the going in the stands and <laughs> taking the foul catching the foul ball or taking the popcorn and i mean those that Aaron judge playing catch fans and you know, it's happened before you've seen it many times different players but when it happens it's it reminds you it it, it takes you away from the competitive portion of the game and the 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 uh humanity the the human side of the game really surfaces and and that, that's why that a moment like that is so deeply treasured and appreciated now, what about in your baseball life? Any moments like that stick out for you as a fan or during your broadcasting career? Um, uh, well, we had one a couple years ago, and yes, where someone proposed uh, in the middle of a game, and then they, they lost the, the engagement ring fell. I remember that, yes. Half the game, and all the fans around them joined them, and they were looking for to try and find the engagement ring. It was quite a, and it was on uh, the next day. It was on all the, all the morning shows, and it was quite a, it was quite a wonderful experience. It was a fun experience. It was a very human experience, and uh, it had a very happy ending. Thank God the, she, uh, she said yes because that would have been the most, uh, the most uh, uh, difficult if. if uh, Yes, very difficult if she had said no. But anyway, way. But those things are when they happen. They, they don't happen every day, but they, they they really do underscore. You know the you know why why you love sports, why you love baseball, why you love moments like that. They just don't come around. And and it was a truly great, wonderful experience last night. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, you brought up Mattingly with the popcorn. I, I could remember being at spring training one time and it was right after Goose Gossage was uh, elected to the Hall of Fame. And there was a line to get his autograph that was pretty much wrapped up and around the, the uh, stadium at George and Steinbrenner Field down there in Tampa. And Goose didn't leave until every fan had his autograph. And as a guy growing up and watching Goose pitch and knowing the enormity of what he was to those teams back in the late 70s and to see him not leave until everyone had an autograph as a Hall of Famer, that that just hit me. That hit me right in the chest because you know I love this game as well. Well, that's what a real Hall of Famer does. He, he conducts himself in a, in a fashion that is, uh, you know, exemplary and, and, and a fashion that is, uh, he gives credit to his status as a Hall of Famer and, gives, and, and reflects positively on the game. That's what, you know, that's that's why they have, they have in the Hall of Fame, you know, they're supposed to be, people who are inducted, they're supposed to be of sound character. That's right. supposed to weigh as much as the, as the on-field uh, statistics do. And uh, sometimes that character gets uh, it gets minimized or overlooked, and it shouldn't. You're supposed to conduct yourself with a in, in an honorable way, and 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 that's part of being proud of your profession and 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 doing the things that it takes to to uh, get the next generation of fans uh, on board with the game and build the game and support the game. That's that's what that's what you should do. It's not always done, which is unfortunate, and I've seen too many cases where it wasn't done. But but I must tell you, I've seen an equal number of cases where it was done, and 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 I'll, I'll tell you a story going back to my childhood if you want to hear it sure. uh, i was i was a vendor at yankee stadium when i was 16 years old and uh i had to get working papers i don't even know if they have working papers anymore but i had to get working papers i was underage which meant i couldn't sell beer i had to sell like you know popcorn and peanuts and things like that which is extremely challenging in the summer to sell popcorn and the bleachers have you ever had that experience i don't recommend it it's very <laughs> difficult to you know, make a lot of money doing that but but you get to see a baseball game or two or five or twenty or a thousand which was my case and anyway, which way? So I was, um, I, I would wait for some, some days you got in. They, they, the Yankees in those days didn't draw very well. It was the mid sixties and the Yankees when they're sort of their, their rebuild after their, their, uh, their dynasty years, if you will. And um, so we would wait for the play. If you weren't selected to be a vendor, that day, like they only took a handful of vendors, and what they would do would take the vendors to be commiserate with how many people were in the stands. So if you had, if you had like you know a bad day or whatever, there's a sellout, then they would hire a lot of vendors. And if they didn't, there was a small crowd. They would only use a handful of vendors. So I didn't get in that particular day, and I was like 16 years old. So I would wait for the players by uh, gate. Eight six, uh, the old the old Yankee Stadium, uh, not the, not the old one, the old one before that, the one in the mid sixties, which was actually was the one that was built in nineteen twenty three. That stadium, so th that's how old it is, how long ago it is, and we so you'd wait for the players, and uh, so the players would come in, and you'd see Mickey Mantle come in, MM seven was you know it is a uh, Cadillac, is Cadillacs with that was the car to have, MM seven Mickey Mantle would come in and. You see the players, you know, come Elston Howard, Mickey Mantle, Bobby Richardson, Tony Kubek, uh, Cleet Boyer, you know, Whitey Ford, you know, th that that group of players, and uh, and I remember like one day it was like R Roger Maris came in, he parked his car, he had a Cadillac as well, and he came in, and it was only like six or seven fans out to, to, for autographs, so that was one of my little autograph book. So I asked Roger Maris to sign my autograph book, and it started raining, and it, it was really started to pour. And so, I mean, to the point, like, like you don't want him to be outside. It was like, you're getting soaking wet. So he took me, he said to me, come here, kid. And he took me into where the players, the lobby, adjacent to gate six, where the players would go. Then they'd go down the stairs. They'd send down, they'd send down the stairs. they go to the clubhouse. So this it was a lobby. So I go into the lobby. 
And he says to me, he grabs a towel, there's towels there. He says, here, kid, dry off. So I, so I dry myself off, <laughs> soaking wet. And he says, says uh, give, me, give me your autograph book. So he signs, signs the autograph and everything, and which was great. And he says, what's your name? I told him, he says, he put, I still have it, by the way. He says, to John, I didn't know, I wasn't on his flip in those days. To John, you know, best, best wishes, Roger Maris. And um, it, it was, I, Roger Maris was like one of my favorite players as a kid. He was, actually was my, my, my favorite player. So that meant like a great deal to me. So he was going down the stairs and he, he turned around and he says to me, did, uh, did, you, did you have anything to eat? And I said, no. He says, come downstairs. So, really? Yeah, yeah. So I went down the stairs. I mean, what do I know? I mean, I'm like 16 years old. So, I mean, and it was, it was, I mean, there was nothing sinister here. It was, it was all, it was yeah. all right? So, I, I mean, I go down the stairs and I, and I we couldn't go in the clubhouse. I didn't take me to the clubhouse. I said, wait here. So I wait outside and he, he, and he says, no, you know, only ball players, the prohibitive entry, whatever. And he comes out and he has a peanut butter and jelly sandwich on white bread. And this is the place where he likes that. So they, they, there was not big nutrition in those days. Yeah. They didn't have the big spreads. It was like a peanut butter and jelly. So he gave me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And it was like, and I said, thank you very much, Mr. Maris. He said, Roger. And I said, okay, Roger, thank you very much. And I never forgot that. And I fast forward now. When I was at NBC Sports uh, and... I was uh, a producer, and Roger Maris said the end of his life. And uh, Bob Costas and I were uh, assigned to uh, to uh, visit him in uh, Dakota, and uh, it was Fargo, I believe. Mm -hmm. So we went to Fargo to see him to do a, to do a, a story. And his family, Pat Pat was his wife, Pat Maris, right. were most gracious. Uh, Maris was most gracious, and they allowed us in. Uh, they wouldn't worked out. NBC was the big carrot in baseball back in the game of the week. And so we, uh, so we went in to see him. And uh, he was very ill. And I told him that story. And he said to me, uh, you know, I think I remember this. I remember you. I said, no, you don't. He says, yeah, I, do. <laughs> I really do. He said, uh, so, so what do you do now? I was a producer, baseball producer. He goes, oh, good for you. Good for you. That's really great that you, you, you stayed with the sport. We had a most wonderful conversation. And about three weeks, four weeks later, he died. Mm -hmm. so, but uh, I don't want to get emotional about this. No, this is wrong. This is absolutely, this but is was, absolutely what we were talking about, Flip. He's a very special guy. Very special yeah, this, is what, this is what this game could and should be throughout the test of time. It's stories like that. It's the connection you make with players. It's, it's the connection you make with the game to have this reaction that you're having with me right now. I, I mean, look, I... I don't, I don't have anything like that, but I could tell you and I could get emotional about just being around the game with my dad. And, you know, the fact that he's not around anymore to have those conversations or to, you know, to pick up the phone and, you know, hear from time to time, why the hell is X, Y, or Z being rested? They're on a 10 game hitting streak and they're hitting 450. Why are they on the bench tonight? You know, it's, it's just really hard for someone. And I know, you're the same too. I know you had the same thing with your father as well. And just to be around the game and to, and to talk about it with them and then to not have them anymore, it's, 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 it's devastating. And, and to hear that about Roger Maris, because 50 years, the 50 year anniversary, uh, we did stuff for the digital side of yes, uh, with the family, with all of his kids. And I was lucky enough to be the one that interviewed all of them. And I, I got to tell you, 
one of the highlights of my yes career. And I'm, I, this is, they won a world series in 2009. That that's top of the list, but that might be one a to the one where not doing those interviews with all of his children, but flip, they invited me, Roger and Kevin coach a high school, Florida baseball team. Yeah, and they that. found out, they found out that I was a pitcher and I still threw and they said, well, why don't you come and, and you could practice with the kids that they'll, they'll get a kick out of that. So here I am in my sport jacket and my dress shoes and my, and my slacks. And I'm, I'm doing PFP drills with Roger and Kevin Maris's baseball team. And I'm spinning around and throwing strikes to second. And then the next day, wouldn't you know it, they have a game and they win three, two and extra innings and Kevin emailed me and he said I just want you to know Chris that you inspired the kids I'm getting goosebumps as I tell you this story he yeah. said he said that after the game after they won they told us about you and, and how they you inspired them to come back and win this game and hearing that from Roger Maris's offspring Flip, they, they brought a bunch of his stuff from the 61 season. They had that Yankee jacket, the ones they wore in Bill, Billy Crystal's phenomenal 61 movie. Uh, they had his hat. They had his jacket. They had his jersey. They asked me if I wanted to try it on. And I don't know about you, but I was like, I, I'll just look at it. I, I didn't, I didn't want to touch it. To me, that's kind of like the Mona Lisa. I, I don't want to be anywhere uh, near it. If you're in shape, it would fit you. I mean, it would fit me, so... <laughs> There you go right there. But, but the, the, yeah. the point is, and I'm sorry I rambled on a little bit with that story, but you 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 just triggered that in my in my mind. And it's one of the most special memories and moments that I have in my career here at Yes. And you know, I I know you don't want to hear this, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Uh I wouldn't be in this position if it wasn't for you, because you're the one who gave me all of these opportunities and you believed in me and I'm sitting where I am right now doing everything I'm doing at this network because of the person sitting across from me right now on this Zoom. So let me get that out of the way first. What am the other guy used to sit with you? Well, I, that's where I'm going. See, don't rush the bit, as Jack Kestenbaum used to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, our, our friend, Jack Kesty. Uh, but, yeah, Kevin Sullivan, uh, mm -hmm. who is another guy, uh, who I owe a lot to at, at the Yes Network, um, really helped uh, <laughs> shape uh, a really lumpy uh, play. That's me. Uh, taking me down to spring training, uh, kind of put me into different situations and helping me grow throughout my career. He was your co-host on this uh, Curtain Call podcast. He has moved on. And I know uh, we talked beforehand, and you wanted to tip your cap to Kevin, so I'm going to shut my yapper and let you go. No, ahead. I mean, I, I sort of did it when uh, he uh, he left, but, uh, you know, we did 70 shows together, and we've been friends for a long time, and uh, we, we shared a lot of experiences together, and we're, we're good friends, and I, uh, I uh, you know, I understood, uh, you know, listen, sometimes in life, uh, nothing's forever, and we all have to move on to, you know, for, for opportunities sometimes that are you know, uh, for, for our families and stuff. So we all have to do things. And uh, I, I totally understood it. And, uh, you know, there was there, there was no right or wrong. There was just, you know, there was time to, to do something else. And uh, and uh, I will always respect him. And I always have a great deal of affection for him. He's a, he's a great talent. And he's a really good guy. 
and you know he'll be missed. And uh, but uh, you know what? It's, listen, there's phones and there's there's Zoom and there's and there's visits and everybody will see everybody. So it'll be good. So we wish him the, nothing but the best. And I know that goes for everybody. At uh, yes. So, but I'm I'm going to put a cherry on that little story. Uh, okay. Uh, on top of this, I got I got one that's actually, and then we can get off of this. I'm sorry, okay. but the, uh, I actually produced the uh, the McGuire 60 second home run game, with which broke Maris's oh, record, wow. the 60 second home run, and so I got a chance to to you know to to meet the family again. Now, I hadn't seen them. I, I don't remember the kids. You know, I, honestly, they were little kids, so they yeah. were, it was a long time ago. And uh, but uh, I, I remember maybe the daughter, or maybe it was the daughter, or maybe it was the oldest son, maybe it was Kevin. I'm not really sure, but I remember one of the children. And but that was it. And I, I had a chance to meet them subsequently in subsequent years, just to say hello, or whatever. But but this was a chance to really see them again because of the experience of you know the, the McGuire breaking them for the 61 uh, record of Maris, uh, the 61 homers. And so doing that game and being in that truck and doing that home run and being there for all the pomp and circumstance that surrounded it. And, you know, it was, it was just a, it was a very memorable, ex- tremendous experience. And I just thought because of the connection that I had with Maris as a child, I just thought there was the, the life. Sometimes it's, you can't script something like that. It just goes full circle. So the arc of life, I suppose, but anyway, but we had a, we had a really good time and, uh, and uh, I remember I had the bat. I had his bat in my hands the, wow. the, the, from the 61. And, uh, and you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's a piece of wood. It's, no, no, it's not. No, it's not. That's like saying Wonder Boy is a piece of wood. Yes. You know, not <laughs> a piece of wood, man. It just isn't. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a religious artifact for those of us who love yeah. baseball. It's what You're it is. Absolutely. You're absolutely so, you know, right. Enjoy it, love it, appreciate it, call these things for what they are because uh, – it's special, and 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 if you spe- and if you if you're lucky enough, you can realize it in real time that you're in something special. You know that, that peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I've tasted no sandwich since that peanut butter and jelly sandwich that ever tasted any better than that sandwich. That, I don't even know if you get sandwich in that. It didn't matter. That that is one of the best stories I've ever heard about baseball. That's the God's honest truth. But I just got goosebumps when you brought it around back to the peanut butter and jelly. I didn't have the same experience with Barry Bonds though. <laughs> <laughs> so people, I didn't have the same fun. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, you would, you would lose a few, and a few get rained out. You know, that's the way it goes. But anyway, I've, I've heard that you're, you're talking about living in the moment and living in special experiences, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and 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 really holding on to them. Well, how about the start that this Yankee team is off to this yeah. season? Uh, their 11th straight win as we tape this here on a Wednesday morning, uh, coming out of Toronto. Now look. Toronto has one of the best lineups in Major League Baseball. Let's let's just be honest. And they're young. Uh, they've got the offspring and Laddie and Bichette. Uh, it's just such a tremendous lineup. George Springer leading it off. I mean, just like the Yankees lineup, where's the rest? You know, where do you have that rest as a pitcher? You don't. And you saw that uh, in Tuesday night's game with Jamison Tyone and Alec Manoa. But they, they pitched their rear ends off. And then the bullpens, when it came to the bullpens, the Yankees bullpen uh, shined once again, Flip. So this has just been, and I've seen it all over Twitter too, so it's not like I'm going out on a <laughs> shaky limb here. Um, pitching, and Jeff Nelson and I talked about this on the Korean post games over the weekend, pitching, defense, timely hitting. That's what wins championships, and he should know something about that. He won four of them. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I, it's funny because you know, they started off like seven and six. And, yeah. you know, it was just the way they started off a year ago. And they were just ridiculously inconsistent. And uh, and, and over the, f- the first handful of games, they win, they lose, they win, they lose, they win, they lose. You know, they uh, couldn't score runs. They were playing station-to-station baseball. Um, they weren't, you know, the pitching was questionable. Their ace was not pitching like an ace. And there was just a lot, a lot of uncertainty. Again, it's only a handful of games. That's the great thing about baseball. It's the crucible of 162 game schedule. So, you know, over time that, you know, water will find its level and, and, and it's the way it works. The back of the baseball cards, they always say, I mean, I, I believe yeah. in that too, but it'll find itself. But, 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 but you go back a year ago and the Yankees were just plagued by inconsistent play. I mean, they listen, we won 11 in a row. It's not to say we, but the Yankees won 11 in a row. And, you know, last year they had a streak where they won 10 in a row. And then they lost eight in a row. Then they won six or seven. Then they lost seven of eight. I mean, this, was, <laughs> this yo-yo thing went on. And on. Yeah. So I'm, I was reliving, like, are we going to relive this whole thing again from a year ago? Is this the kind of team that this is? But I don't really think it is because, the, the, well, they had the bullpen a year ago. The bullpen is, 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 is a weapon. The Yankee mm-hmm. bullpen is a weapon. Nobody can match them in the bullpen. You know, you've got other teams that got good starting pitching. The other teams that get hit. Nobody's got a bullpen like the Yankees. So if you can get to their starters, the other team's starters, get them out, you got a really good chance of winning that game because the Yankee bullpen has been tremendous. And they have really found, I mean, they have really found, I mean, play, I mean, Holmes was good a, a year ago. You know, I mean, I don't know what Pittsburgh does when they get a good player. I guess they decide they're going to get rid of them. But, you know, uh, but, you know, Holmes a year ago, and then you've got, you know, you, the way Schmidt is pitched and, and King is pitched. And I mean, King oh, is King. unbelievable. King is unbelievable. Well, well, too. I mean, th- those are those are three arms in the bullpen. The bullpen. And mm-hmm. I mean, you, King was and Schmidt were both scheduled to be starting pitchers. So right now they're pitching out of the pen, you know, and, and you know, maybe they'll find their way back there at some point. But who knows? But right now, the, and Luizica, too. I mean, Luizica's had. Some, oh, yeah. You know, I mean, so, you know, you go look at this team and. I mean, you know, you know. I mean, time I get nervous is when Chapman comes in. Sometimes I get nervous. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes he does that to me. But how about how about this? I mean, you have to give Brian Cashman some props. He brought, Anthony, he brought Anthony Rizzo back. He brought in Isaiah Kiner Falefa. Who got he was one for seventeen to start the season, but he's been great at the plate. He makes them more athletic up the middle, and 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 they're more defensive up the middle. Flip. Absolutely. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Absolutely. That was a great. The tandem at catcher between Kyle Higashioka and Jose Trevino defensively. I know their bats haven't come around. I know Boone talked about that Tuesday uh, before the game, but their bats haven't come around yet. But the defensively and working with the staffs, they've been great. Trevino and Glaber back at second and a healthy Aaron Hicks in center field. You know as well as anybody in the game of baseball, you need your defense strong up the middle, and they have that this year. They definitely have a defense, and and I wouldn't worry too much about catchers who don't hit. You you know what? So what? I mean, with the way their offense is is hitting now, right? And bats that are in that lineup. I mean, there were really no easy outs. And by the way, those guys are not easy outs. They're just not hitting. Agashioka at any any at any one pitch could walk into a pitch and hit a home run. It's what he does. I mean, he's going to hit 200, but he's going to hit 20 home runs if he's right. 15, 20 home runs. And Trevino is a pretty good, pretty good player too. I mean, he's, they're both really good defensive. Right, right now, they're there for their defense, and and that's and and by the way, and that's a big upgrade over what they had defensively before. So. Yeah, yeah, and you could talk on this, so I'm going to bring it up. Um, when you have, and this is not like the pile on Gary Sanchez uh, bandwagon, but yeah. when when you have when you have a pitching staff who's comfortable throwing everything in their arsenal at any point during the game 
that says something. I want to go back to the bullpen because yes. that that is like, you know, just another sword that this team has that they could pull out at any time. And especially with the short and spring training flip, uh, the bullpen has been obviously, as you said, one of their strengths. And we always talk about how Brian Cashman made the lineup very – he lengthened it by bringing back Anthony Rizzo, having the lefties in it. Uh, for the test of time, for, for the time that you and I have been fans of this team, they have built lineups for that short porch in right field. And then all of a sudden it was like, well, the righties could hit it into those right field seats. But you need those lefties. You know, I know Gallo, it, it's tough with the strikeout, the walk, or the home run. But – like you said, I, he could run into a pitch at any time. My point is the lineup is very versatile. Now you have arms in that bullpen that have built up and that's versatile as well. And you marry that and you link that up. It's kind of like putting a, a train together, a Lionel train set, and you're latching all those cars together. The Yankees have latched the lineup to the starters, to the bullpen, everything. Now look, as you said, the 162 game season is this going to happen throughout the entire no you're going to have ebb and flow but the fact that they're showing this and showing it early on is a big time positive sign tremendous positive um this this is a real team um i you know i didn't i didn't know what to expect coming out of spring training i had my doubts about certain things um uh, i didn't know starting pitching for instance mm-hmm what, what yeah, Cole they, they, they've been ridiculous. I mean, what Garrett Cole was going to see, but you know, because he was, you know, he was consistent in his inconsistency last year, right? He was. I mean, he's a great talent. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from his talent, but he was inconsistent. Tyone was, you know, coming off to, to Tommy Johns, and you know, can he could he come? What kind of start is he going to be? Montgomery, how's he going to be? That Nestor mm -hmm. Cortez, how about Nestor Cortez? Oh, my goodness, I mean, Nestor Cortez is like Cy Young. He's so, a steadying force. He you know, was. That's Severino. Severino's looked great at, you know, most of the yes. time. A couple of rough spots, but for the most part, it's been terrific. So the starting pitching has been great. The bullpen is, is lights out, is lights out fabulous. It's a real weapon. So Yankee pitching is really the real, and their defense, pitching and defense right there. And the fact they're hitting now. I mean, they're scoring, the truckload runs a game. Now, okay, I'm not going to sit here and say, well, let's see, let's say we had the Baltimore Orioles and we had the, the team from Cleveland and we had the, uh, See how I got around that? They hit the team from Cleveland. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, but, but you know, the Blue, Blue Jays are a tough team. You know, so yeah. they're tough. But, but you know, we've, uh, the Yankees have had um, – and Kansas City, you know, I mean, the Yankees, yeah. you know, these are – those some of those teams are, you know, the teams that you can beat and should beat. And everybody else in that division, in the Yankee division, is going to be – American League East is really tough division because – you know, I, I, you're going to find yourself. This is going to this is going to come down. This no no kid yourself. It's going to come down to the wire, and you're going to Absolutely. find you got you have at least three teams there, and you, and you might have four. I mean, although the Red Sox are not showing a lot at the moment, no. they look really bad. That's that's a story we can get into a little bit, but they look really bad at the moment. But but you know what? There's talent there, and they're the Red Sox. You know, so although every time they win a championship, they win a championship, and then they take like two years off. <laughs> it's okay you know let's, let's relax for two years then we'll go back with another one i mean they, they seem to be they win they lose they win they lose in years that's seemed the way they play but having said all that stuff it's a very tough division and these teams are going to cannibalize themselves i mean even yeah. if boston is a fourth place team that's a hell of a fourth place team 
you know, and, and the Orioles are, you know, the Yankees always have trouble with the Orioles. I've had traditionally in years past. And, you know, those are the teams you have to beat up on the teams that are below you. You have to, and you have to play, you have to at least play 500 on teams that are ahead of you. So the Yankees are going to have their hands full. You know, I'm a, I'm a little shocked. I'm a little shocked at the way the White Sox have played. Yeah. Because, I mean, they're not being, they're not playing the, up to their talent. The Tigers too, because the Tigers were supposed to turn things around this year too. Yeah. I mean, they haven't quite, they haven't quite done that. Um, but I mean, see, they got a lot of young talent. We have a lot of young talent, things like that, you know, are going to happen, but you know, you've got, uh, I mean, Minnesota's playing well. And if you yeah. like, uh, tape this and record this at like 15 and nine. So they're, they're playing well. The American League West is really interesting because how about the angels, the angels have got Houston 15 and 10, the angels are 13 and 11 with what uh, you, Houston. What do you think the Joe Madden factor is with the Angels when everyone is healthy because that that team hasn't yeah. really had everybody healthy for a lengthy period of time. Yeah, but see, they got Rendon back now, so Rendon is playing with Trout. Has been lights out, great. Trout is being Trout. Trout's on his way to win the MVP again. You know, I mean, I mean, it's a small sample size, but you know, he's Trout, and he's back from his injuries, and he looks great. And that's that's obviously you have, something. You have the unicorn and Otani, of course. Oh, of course, of course. I mean, so you look at that. I mean, you've got. Uh, I mean, the Angels never won anything except they win MVPs. <laughs> you know, they quoted yeah. American League MVPs, but they don't win anything. But yeah. uh, Rendon, Rendon is back, and you know Syndergaard will help them. The, the pitching is better than it's been in, in a long time. I mean, they, they, they could be a force out there. And the Astros are the Astros. Verlander looks great. Verlander looks great early going. I mean, how about the old guys? How about Verlander? You know, and Kershaw. They look. Uh, I'm all for it. I'm not all for Kershaw getting pulled in a no hitter situation. I mean. And I know he he brought up in the in the post game, and, yeah. and you you could you could attest yeah. to this flip. The fact that he said after the game that he thought Dave Roberts made the right decision, but then the next day he came out and he was quoted as saying, "You know, if you're a fan, that's what you come out when you come out to the ballpark. You come out to see something special." And he feels like something special might have been taken. You think, Clayton? <laughs> you think? I mean, I know it's early in Still the season. surgery though. Early in the yeah. season, cold yeah. weather. I mean, yeah. Shoulder you gotta, surgery. You got to put all the things into the hopper. I get it. But I, if I were I, manager, I would hate to be in a position where somebody's throwing a perfect game or no hitter and it gets to be about the sixth inning and you know, your, your pitch count is up around, you know, it's just the first time out, a second time out, a third time out. Pitch count should be around 80. And now you're at 80, 90. You creep up at 100. And then you go up. I mean, that's, that's, that's tough. Perfect example would have been Severino. Yeah. He, he had uh, yeah. no hitter through yeah. five, and Aaron right. Boone was probably in the dugout saying, "Oh, for God's sakes, just give up the hit already, so I, so I don't have to make this." That's tough. why you pull him early. That's why you, you yeah. take that, that. Then everybody could say, say, "Well, we had another three innings to go, or four innings to go," and that way you took the mystery out of it. We just took him out. Yeah, I because mean, you you brought up how how good he's looked uh, at, at points great. during this season, and we have to be honest here. A guy like Severino, the past three years, Flip, I think he made 10 appearances, and he's already made five starts this season. Yeah, so if, if he keeps building the way he's building, that's only positive for this team. And if you latch him with Garrett Cole at the top of the rotation, that's a that's as good a one-two punch as anywhere in this league. And the way, and the way that Cortez has pitched. And Montgomery and, and Tyone last night in Toronto. I mean, I, they have five guys right now. They're like the hamburger joints. But I was going to say that. I, I wasn't going to go there because I had that the other day, and I'm not going to bring that experience up. But <laughs> we had it yesterday. I remember. Anyway, no, they're nice people there. I shouldn't say that. But you get free peanuts yeah. as you wait for your hamburgers, you know? 
Yes, that's all I need. Free peanuts. <laughs> then, then uh, I know. I know you wanted to talk as well. Uh, we have a couple more things to do. And the first thing is talk about your beloved Jets and, and the draft that they had. And I, I, I want to add another wrinkle to this podcast. I, I, I know you and Kevin Sullivan did a tremendous job, but I want to add another wrinkle. I want to end all of these because you had such a great career in, in broadcasting. You have all these stories. Uh, your Hall of Fame induction was chock full of them from different people uh, that night. And I just want the people that weren't able to be there with you that night to relish in some of these stories. So we'll get to that. That's coming up. But first, I want you to take the time right now to talk about the job that your Jets did. And, and if you're looking forward to this season, if there's a little trepidation, I mean, what's going on with John Filippelli and his gangrene? Uh, every year I look forward to the start of the season. And by, I would say, the third week of September, I can't wait for it to end. So that's kind of the way my, my jet experience has been. For all, I mean, I didn't know how good I had it. I actually saw Super Bowl three. I was a youngster. I was in high school. And uh, I remember vividly, I remember v betting my friend Vito DeSantis. Nice. Uh, $5. I bet Vito. I didn't even take the points. The, the, the Jets were wow. the 22 point underdogs. I didn't even take the points. I just bet outright. I said, the Jets are going to win the game. What do I know? That's what I said. Because I'm a big jet fan. So I said, ah, the Jets are going to get killed. I said, no, they're not. They're gonna, they're going to win. Watch. They won. So I won my $5. So, but um, that I, little did I know that that would be the high point for the next 50 years of following the Jets would be that. So it's been like that experience for me. Like uh, I, I, my daughter-in-law, I took my, my family and my, my sons, my, my two daughter-in-laws, my wife, we all went to a, the Jet game a couple of years ago, two, three years ago. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we, we got great seats. It was one game we were going to go to, for, you know, to everybody's family. My two daughters had never been to a pro football game. They're really looking forward to it. So we sat there. And they were playing the Buffalo Bills. And, and it was like, let's see. It wasn't even Josh Allen's Buffalo Bills, okay? And it was, was it like... Tyron Taylor? Was, was that, was that uh, right before? I think so. I think so. It was like, it was... I could tell you the score, though. It was 29-3 at the half. Mm -hmm. And the Jets had three first downs. Okay? And, and people were putting bags on their heads and doing all that. And... My daughter-in-law, Victoria, who's uh, about ready to give birth any day now, um, is... Congrats again. Thank you. Thank you. Pierce's, You're welcome. Uh, Pierce's uh, wife. And uh, so we're, we're sitting there, and she just, she's just, she's, she's looking, she's bored out of her mind, I think. And she looks at us and says, you really enjoy this? <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 but Pierce and I, and my son, Johnny, and my other son, we, we just... just no, this is torture. <laughs> like this is like torture. I don't know why we do this to ourselves every year. It's the same thing. It's just ridiculous. I mean, I but but they had a. I think they had a really great draft. And uh, you know, it's a funny thing to think about football. In baseball is harder to build a team. It's just harder to put a team together. Right. But football, if you have a good draft, you could like the way the Steelers, Steelers yeah. were horrible. They had one or two great drafts, famous drafts. But they got like wound up getting six or seven Hall of Fame players out of it, like you know Bradshaw and Swan and Stallworth mm -hmm. and Jack Lambert, me Joe Green players like that. They turned it around obviously instantly. They became the dynasty. So it's possible you could do a lot of things with a good draft. You know, uh, there's a couple guys on the you clock. Get cold. You get cold. I, 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 I know the draft is over, but there's a couple guys on the clock now that that the Giants yeah. and Jets have improved, yeah. and those those two guys now Zach Wilson has a little bit more time. Daniel Jones does not. 
I mean, he's got this year to prove now that he's got bookend tackles. They brought in Evan Neal from Alabama. They have Andrew Thomas, who solidified himself at the left spot. Now they have to mix and match in the middle of that offensive line. I love what the Giants did, my Giants, with Thibodeau on one side. Now they'll have Ojolari on the other side. They just both pin their ears back and go get the quarterback. It seems to me like Shane and uh, Dayball, they're, they're, it, it's amazing, Flip. What, what it's like to have a GM and a coach attached at the hip. They have a plan and they know exactly what they want to do. The Jets have the same thing too with Salah. Uh, I mean, it just looks like, look, let's base it on New York baseball. All right. Cause both the Yankees and Mets are one in one a in baseball right now. So maybe just maybe we could hope that New York sports is about to turn around and football is about to do the same thing that baseball is doing. That's what I pray for. But the two guys on the clock are Daniel Jones and Zach Wilson, because now they have no excuse. They have some weapons and they can get the job done. now. And you, and you that's a really a wonderful speech, Chris. I don't believe any of it. I just don't. I mean, I'm, I've just been. I'm, I'm the times. optimist. I'm what can I tell you? Times I just can't, uh, you know, uh, when, uh, you know, waiting to see what happens with Aaron Judge, you know. See, besides with the Yankees and yeah, uh, Gravy does, and you know, you'll have options if he doesn't. And you know, uh, I saw him the other day. I was going to say to him, you know, I wish you'd consider the Jets, put your tight end. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. He's here, you know. But uh, yeah, I mean, listen, there is a um, there's a lot going on in baseball though right now. There's just so many things going on, and uh, and uh, it's been so it's been it's been you know the the uh, the um, First month is done. That's usually the warm. That's the you know that's the month where uh, you see some surprise teams. You see some teams. You start to see now. You're going to start to see definite patterns of play. Because mm-hmm. you know, the first month is really it's it's really tough to judge. It's you know who's you know some teams get hot. Some some players. You know, remember, there's been very little spring training. Right. So we had the, the, we had abbreviated spring training, which obviously changes a lot of things. And you know, and the hitters are still the hitters are still trying to find their way. It's really strange because usually it's usually 50 at bats will do it and they usually they start find stride, but they seem to be having a some of them having a little bit of a tough time. Some some really great players are having a tough time at the moment. So you sit there and say, is it the, is it the pitching? What is it right now? And I mean the strike zone. We we've seen some stuff with strike zones, and mm-hmm. it's been very interesting to see. And you know, you but you see the way the game is morphing now is very interesting to me because I don't think you're going to see. Like there'll be a lot of records, right? There's a lot of records in the game. Yeah. Baseball is held sacrosanct by its records. The emotional moorings of the game are in its statistics. I mean, that's why everybody talks about if I said to you, the last person did 400, or if I say 300 wins, or I say 700, I 755, I guess it is home runs for St. Aaron. I guess Bonds was 762, if I remember right. Yes. And Ruth was obviously 714, right? There's certain DiMaggio's 56 game hitting streak. We can do this all day, right? And yeah. certain things just stick out, but you know, all that's going to go away because the way, or maybe it's just a pattern that the game is in right now, but you're not going to see because pitchers don't pitch. You, how many quick games? Yeah. You games. You know, five innings. It's six innings. A quality start. Good. Congratulations. Six innings. It's like, and if and if you don't, and if you're not fortunate enough to, you know, got games get one and lost late innings, so you get no decisions. So three hundred games winners and five five people obviously starting rotations, five players and sometimes more now with openers and all kinds of stuff, right? So you're not going to see. 
you're not going to see what you saw before in in in, in dominance in, in in terms of because pitchers will be out strikeouts and they're going to be out there long enough to uh, to to accumulate home runs. You know, uh, guys getting rested now more regularly, seeing less at bats, more platoons. I mean, it's, it's going to be fascinating. Next year, the shifts will be outlawed, right? You know, so, so, yeah. You know something. Going we, on here? You know something we didn't bring up, and you just reminded yeah. me of it with this Yankee team, and and that's the fact that Aaron Boone has a lot of good problems. I mean, he he sat DJ LeMahieu last night because he wanted to get another switch hitter and Marwin Gonzalez in the lineup to play in the outfield. He put Anthony Rizzo at first base. That's a good problem. They sent Clark Schmidt down after he picked up his first win of the season because they had to get down to 26 players. That's a good problem. I mean, this is something, and look, I don't want to be the mush here, but uh, the Yankees have had, let's be honest. It's not a, it's not a, it's not hidden. I mean, the Yankees have had injury problems the past couple of years. And for times, we know the Scranton shuttle. Uh, a lot of gas was used on that Scranton shuttle the past couple of years. So for Aaron Boone to get through the first month of the season and to get into May and to be beating the heck out of the team right behind them in the American League East, I mean, that has to scream positivity. And to be able to put one of your best hitters through the first month of the season on the bench and get him rest and have Giancarlo Stanton DH and get him a half day off to get Marwan Gonzalez in the lineup, who had a huge double in that seventh inning. These are all good things for this Yankee team. And, and to say they're clicking on all cylinders is the understatement of the world. Yeah. I mean, you know, look, it's, it's early, it's early, it's early, it's early, it's early and it's early again. Yeah. But we, but you know what? It's better. But wouldn't you rather? Wouldn't you rather be saying it's early and have the best record than it's? Uh, it's early. I know they're six and twelve, but it's early. I mean, I'd rather. Or, be, or you're Cincinnati and you're you're. Yeah, uh, you know, look at uh, them. You know, three and twenty or whatever. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, no, I mean you don't want to be that. And but you see, but see, how horrible is that though? I mean, oh, poor, I mean, I mean, if you're a Cincinnati Reds fan, go yeah. home. I mean, there's no hope. I mean, there's no hope. You know, hope, hope is not a plan. I always say to people, hope is not a plan. I say it all the time. If you're a Cincinnati Reds fan, it's like uh, they could have five hope weeks. <laughs> and it wouldn't help. It's like a hopeless week. It's hopeless week. I see, I see what you did there. I, I like that. Yeah. Um, I like that. I, all right, Flip, let, let's, let's end this, you know, the way I wanted to with something I call Flip the Script. And that's, you know, something from your Hall of Fame career now. We might want to save that till the next episode because that story about Roger Maris earlier in this uh, podcast really, really hit me. So I, if you could expound on that in any way, I would love to just, as the callers to radio stations sometimes say, I'll hang up and listen. So take it away. Uh, let's put a bow on this. Uh, I always like to say, my expression is put a bow on it. Talk about putting a bow on everything. Let's put a bow on this. I, I'll put a bow on it this way. When um, I was at Fox and I was producing the, you know, the, I was the lead producer and Billy Webb was the lead director. And we did the, the game of the week on Fox. And we did the World Series, the All-Star Games. We did the, one of the two playoffs. Uh, um, we did American League or National League, depending on alternate. And we would do those games. Um, we had a chance when McGuire, when Mark McGuire was pushing to break the record. And he and Sammy Sosa were in this epic home run chase, uh, chasing Maris's record. 
uh, we had a chance to do some of those games on Fox. ESPN was doing them as well. They were sort of they were sprinkling them around all the different rights carriers, and so it, it, we we wound up getting the the Tuesday night game in the in the beginning of September, and uh, the day before um, McGuire hit his 60th home run, which tied him, Maris. So uh, I'm sorry, it's 61st home run, which tied Maris. So the next home run he would hit would be the one that would break at the time the record. So we wound up with that game on Fox. And I said to Billy Webb, after watching the coverage that ESPN had done, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uh, chastising them. You know, they have a lot of good people and they do a good job. But, the, but they, they were all over the place on, the, on this 61st home run. They were just, it seemed like they were beat behind on all their cuts. And it, it was just that they were very fanatic. And, and I said to Billy, I said, I want to do this the way Harry Coyle, who was a legendary director at NBC, and one of the great, and he's the one who directed, for those of you who don't, who don't know Harry Coyle, was, he, was the, he actually invented the coverage of baseball on television he did he was uh he was uh he was at a dumont network in, in the uh in the 40s and and they had baseball and they would start with one camera two cameras and the, by the end of the game they were lucky to be on the air but so he started he invented television coverage so uh, of baseball and uh i was in the truck when McGuire, when uh when uh, Kirk Gibson hit his home run, the famous home run, we're going around the bases and he's pumping his, you know, he's pumping his, mm-hmm. his waving his arms, pumping his fist. And I said to Billy, I want to cover this the way uh, Harry Coyle covered uh, Gibson. If he hits a home run, let's just stay on him. I don't want to miss anything. I'll have all the replays. We'll have everything. We have 20, 20 tape machines. We're, gonna say. we're not going to miss anything. We'll have, we'll, and they're going to stop the game. They're not, they're not going to say, okay, that's it. Next pitch, let's go. They're going to stop the game in 15, 20 minutes. Commission will be out there to be a big deal. Okay, so we, we agreed on how we were going to do this. The day the, that day, I went to see Dave McKay, and I went to see Tony Larusa. Tony Larusa was the it was the manager of the Cardinals, and I asked him to wear a mic. If he wear a mic, now the guys players, these older guys, they don't want to wear mics. They think they, they don't want to risk saying something something gives away. They don't want to be hurt. They they just don't want to go down that road. And it was very very tough to get players and, and managers to wear mics. But I knew Larusa well. You know, as Lucy said to me, Flip, I'll wear it for you because I know you and I know you're not going to embarrass us or whatever. So I said, for history, he said, great. I said, I'm going to talk to you two coaches. The, coach, the third base coach was Duncan. The first base coach was uh, Dave McKay. So I went to Dave McKay and I said, Dave, I need you to wear a mic for, for history. He said, I'm not wearing a mic. I said, in case something happens, it be, it be just for history. If he hits the home run, it's, I, I mean, I'm not going to use it any other way. But we just to have it. No, I'm not going to do it. I don't feel comfortable. I don't want to do it. Okay, I mean, you can't force the guy. Why, why can't I wear a mic? So McGuire's up, hits the home run. He runs around first. He misses first base. Uh, and and Dave McKay's pointing to the base. Get, go back, uh-huh. touch the base. Yeah. Touch the base. If you can't go, yeah. you'll be out. You go back, touch the base. Now, I have no idea what happened. What 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 he actually said. Since he said a lot, and McGuire was laughing. Could you imagine if we had had that? Now again, it's a small, yeah. it's a small bit. Okay, it's not. It's if I didn't tell you that story, most people would have no idea that that was even a possibility. But I did ask him to wear a mic, and if he's, which is his prerogative. I can't get on Dave McKay. Although years later, I told me he was a. I said I can't believe he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of players I don't talk to. But Bill Buckley uh, took me for years. I mean, I have a lot of people don't talk to me anymore. But you know, just you're just doing your job, whatever. Anyway, so I don't want to get too carried away with this. But uh, I uh, that would have been great if we'd had that. And that's uh, that's a little behind the scenes story. But uh, didn't want to do it, and that's his prerogative, like I said. But uh, any which way, I mean, can you imagine some of these things that would have? Yeah, I mean, game that we had mics on play. That's going to happen. We did a spring training with Anthony Rizzo. 
By the way, Anthony Rizzo's having a hell of a year. Let's, let's oh, get Anthony Rizzo yes. on both sides of the ball. Yeah, but, and uh, he just he just signed a contract. I mean, you usually see things like this when guys are fighting for a contract. He just signed a two-year deal with the Yankees. Yes. You know, you can't say enough, Flip. It's not just him at the plate. It's what he does at first base. Nelly and I talked about this, too, and Jack Curry talks about it all the time. That calming sense over at first base, like Don Mattingly. You know, if you're an infielder, if you're a pitcher, when when you see Anthony Rizzo at first, it gives you a sense of calm. And it's just like how Don Mattingly was. And the Yankees have that again with him over there. Yeah, I mean, it's great to see. Uh, I mean, again, it's the, it's the solidifying the infield. I mean, yeah. he came over last year from the Cubs. I mean, it made a huge difference in the Yankee infield. And, you know, he was out with COVID for a while. And had that not happened... And, and, and obviously struggled with the, with the COVID situation. But had that not happened, he probably would have had even a, more of a, a banner year than he did because he had an immediate impact on the Yankees. Then he slowed down a little bit because of the, because of the COVID situation. But, I mean, he's healthy now, and he came back. He's been great, and he's it's it's, it's very much on both sides of the ball. The Yankees are playing great ball. Let's, let's hope that how, continue. How important is it in your eyes? Because something I've seen with him, his demeanor since you he's brought great, him up. He's a great guy. He's, He's never up here. He's never down here. He's always in the middle. And to have that steadying influence in the clubhouse, how important is that for this team? We we met him in a Super Bowl. I met him at a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. He was actually sitting next to my son, Pierce. My son, I, I was sitting in the middle. My son, Johnny Ed, was on one side of me. My son, Pierce, was on the other. And on, on the side of Pierce was was uh, was Anthony Rizzo. And Pierce didn't know him. So Pierce says to me, hey, Dad, I think this guy's a baseball player sitting next to me. So I took a look at him. I said, yeah, he is. I said, that's a baseball player. He says, you know who he is? I said, of course. He said, who is this? It's Anthony Rizzo. He says, Anthony Rizzo. He says, is he good? I said, he was an MVP with the, uh, the Cub World Series in 2016. He's the MVP. He's a National League MVP. So so, so I said, you want to impress him? I said, uh, talk, talk, start talking about the Cubs. He goes, I don't know what to say. I said, I'll tell you what to say. So I started telling him stuff to say. And Anthony Rizzo says to what point, he goes, how do, are you from Chicago? You know a lot about the Cubs. I mean, you can't, you can't, you got to be from Chicago if you know me. He says, he says no, my, my dad knows you. So, you Cyrano de Bergerac to Anthony Rizzo. <laughs> <laughs> it was. So, so then we got introduced to, we, we wound up having, we, st- we wound up talking the entire game up until the fact Mahomes was in the winning drive. The Chiefs were running the Super Bowl at the end, and like four minutes left of the game, we started paying attention to the game. We just talked baseball. We had the greatest time. He's got a great mother and father, great wife. Yeah. Dog is named Kevin. He's got a dog named Kevin. <laughs> oh That's He's another tip guy. of the cap to Kevin Sullivan. There you go. There you go. Good guy. We started with Kevin. Went with Kevin. But See, uh, we went. We went full circle with your career and full circle with the podcast. We brought. Yeah, we're all done. I'm done. I can retire now. Well done. I'd retire. <laughs> Oh, good. Flip, I can't begin to tell you how much fun this was, and I'm looking Same. forward to it very much. I'm looking forward to this as we move forward with the podcast. Uh, and I want everyone out there to know that we appreciate you listening and do us a favor and subscribe. You could pick this up wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Flip and I write do review. review. <laughs> yes, and review, review, right? review and rate. And you know what? Suggest. Suggest things you want Flip to talk about. Uh, it, it would be our pleasure to bring that to the table. But uh, we just want to bring you some Yankee news, some entertainment, and we're going to talk about everything. This is not just uh, locked into sports. Flip is a huge pop culture fan, too. He loves his TV. Uh, I I know you're a big fan of House. I remember that. Um, 
You oh yeah. Office and and, and uh, what else did you love? Game of Thrones. I know you're a big Game of Game Thrones. Of Thrones. I love Game of Thrones. I could. You know what? How about the? I don't know if you're an Ozark guy, but oh, I love talk, Ozark. We could talk about Ozark. I'm I haven't seen. Only... That. I've only saw episode one of the last season. Okay. Of my we'll wait till you're done. At home at the moment. We'll wait till you're done, and then we'll talk about well, Ozark. But, but I really like Ozark. Yeah, That's a great show. Great show. Tremendous show. But Flip, uh, I it's thank you once show. again. Yeah. Okay. I thank you once again. Uh, we'll be doing this from here on out, and we appreciate you listening. Thanks a lot, everybody. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. See you down the road.